Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello everyone, welcome to the Red Ben TV. It is the podcast, it is live, it is Tuesday morning, it's 10.30, you're joining us, that is me, Ross, Errol and Georgia for this one. Uh, thank you so much for joining me this morning. So, um, loads to discuss today, we're obviously going to be talking about Shaqiri, Virgil van Dijk, Genie Wijnaldum, a few of the transfers and stuff, but before we do all of that... We've, of course, got the kick-off questions. And this one, because it is the summer, summer, summer time, comes from Will Smith, underscore H, underscore 95. <laughs> if you could bring back I any past LFC player, uh, a flop to play under Jürgen Klopp, who would it be for me? It would be Ryan Babbel. Errol, let's go with you first, mate. Who is your flop? Get your flop on. My flop on right, not every Fernando was as amazing as Fernando Torres. There was oh, one. That's one of mine, no way! Morientes! Morientes! Damn you! The king damn of the you. flop. He was the king of the flop, man, I swear. He came with so much hype around him, and I thought he was actually going to take us to, to new levels when he first signed. And I think, did he score like three goals, if that? 11. He was up. Was it well? Don't remember them. He was absolutely shocking. Um, so I definitely think he's up there for one of the king of the flops. Take back. a good shout. Yeah. I had three, so Morientes was on there, and he was the one that I was thinking I was going to win this with. Not that it's a competition, but. I was going to win it with Fernando Morientes. That's such a good job because you're right. He was so good. Comes from Real Madrid. Steven Gerrard talked about signing a world-class player and stuff like that and how he'd be able to take us on to the next level. And I think him under Jürgen Klopp, man, you're absolutely right. He'd be absolutely brilliant. I'll go Georgia next. Georgia, who's your flop that you'd like to play under Jürgen Klopp? Oh, nice, nice rhyme. I um, I think it would be um, John Joe Shelby because I, I saw him when he was, you know, Playing at Newcastle, I think under Klopp, he, he would genuinely have the potential to be like a great midfielder because technically he, he's a quality, quality player. He's just got real anger issues and just not really sustaining <laughs> like, things. But I think under Klopp, he'd, he'd maybe slot into that kind of role and he, he would have been better than kind of what we saw him. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right, John Joe Shelby. I wouldn't have actually classed him as a like a a proper flop, though. Do you think that's fair? Mm-hmm. He stuck around for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah semi flop. It wasn't like, yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing better than we did last week. To be fair, it got it got rude. Ouch. 
early last week. Ross, who are your flops? Uh, well, I've gone for a full flop. Okay. Uh, well, I think it's a full flop. Um, just sticking to tradition. Another forward who didn't quite make it, who has had loads of potential. We thought it was going to do a lot better. Robbie Keane. Yeah, great shout. Just Ooh. think he's a prolific striker, good finisher. How would he fit into this side on the Jürgen, though? I think he, I think he's that that centre forward that everyone's goal scorer that everyone's asking for. I think in, in in the system with the right supply, better players behind him, I think he'd do a lot better. Yeah, no, I can agree with that one, absolutely. I've got two more to add to the list then. Uh, I'll start with a left-back that I was so excited. Aurelio? No. Right no I said excited <laughs> when we signed. Uh, he'd won league titles over in Germany. Uh, comes in, big big part, to be fair, at the beginning of the um, treble winning season. Anybody? First name's Christian. Ziga. There we go, yeah, Christian yeah. Ziga. I just think under Jürgen Klopp, a lad like him who could cross the ball big yeah. time. Obviously, we've seen with Andy Robertson there um, <coughs> what he can do with a fullback that does something like that. So Christian Ziga would definitely yeah. be one of them. I'm just going to check my notes on the other. Um, oh, yeah, so just so you see, there is Fernando Morientes on my notes. Yeah, we all uh, shout and, as well. And this is an outside shout because he, he was a bad flop. But Harry Cool. Harry Kuehl, because he just massively underachieved, didn't he? You know what I mean? And Harry Kuehl, that left foot, cutting him from that right-hand side, a little bit like Mo Salah under Jürgen Klopp. I mean, injuries permitting, of course. Maybe he could have done something. Um, so, we've got another one then um, before we go. This is a really, really hard one, to be honest with you. Um, Matthew Dennis. Come from a flop to a hard one. If all the Liverpool squad were competing in Olympic events, Ross, which player would be most likely to win what well, event? I looked at the list of events, and every time I looked at an event, it was it was Virgil Van Dijk. There's nothing he can't he can't do in that sport. But yeah. just to be just to be a little bit different, I'm going to do Jean uh, Jacquery to do equestrian because I think he just looked like a semitor, and I think he bossed it. And he's small. There you go. And you got to be small to ride those horses, like a, just like a jockey, I suppose. Yeah. Are his thighs too heavy for the equestrian event? Maybe. Nah, because he can just kick people off and that. Okay, well I like that. I think he's, I think, he's, I think he'd nail it. Okay, yeah. I like that one. That's yeah. a great shout. Georgia, what are you picking for an Olympic event that one of Liverpool players could win? James Milner triathlon. Yes. Oh, like that's a shout. Yeah. Yes, that is the shout. Also, the one event Virgil van Dijk can't do, gymnastics. Can you imagine him trying to tumble or like be on that? He's graceful, as, yeah. he's graceful yeah. as fuck. Yeah. He managed to balance Raheem Sterling on his back during the game, so I'm sure he'd be fine. He's graceful. Yeah. Come on, Georgia. Yeah. James Milner, triathlon, smash it. I had him down for the 10,000 metres, but I think your shelter triathlon is much, much better, to be fair. Errol, what are you picking? Errol? I don't Hello. know about individuals, but I feel like this... Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you guys. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah cool. carry on talking, mate. <laughs> You're just testing. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't know about individuals, but I reckon the squad would do pretty well at either volleyball or water polo. Just the idea, nice. we've got quite a tall squad in like the defence, so like, you imagine like Joel Matip, Virgil van Dijk just spiking the ball or just like being really up for it in water polo against the Russians or something like that. I think they'd be brilliant. Ah, yeah, that's a good shout. I've got an outside shout for a mountain biking uh, gold medal for Kurt Jones. Oh, course, I mean, we yeah. know how good he is at the wheelie. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I think it's a quick transition yeah. from a wheelie to a mountain biking gold medal in the Olympics, surely. Are you allowed to do wheelies in the Olympics? Is it, is it frowned upon? I don't know. I've no idea. I don't. I think it's some of them events are as fast as you can to get there, aren't they? Are so, they? Um, listen. Who cares? But, but who cares? Yeah. As long as you maybe get style points as well. Yeah. Who knows? And my other really, really outside shout is Thiago in fencing. I I just think it's like a particular <laughs> skill set that he'd have. I think you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you practiced that in the mirror? <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> haven't. That's the first time I've ever <laughs> done that, to go. be honest with you. Oh, you Actually, no, that is probably... Probably the first time since I was a kid, and you know, I wanted to be one of those musketeers or I something like so that. So, thought you were gonna go with lightsaber, not musketeer. Oh, yeah, no, d'Artagnan you know, and all that. No idea what you're talking about. You're three musketeer, um, right? Football, football time it is, then, uh, to be honest with you. So, Virgil van Dyke, uh, Diogo Jota, Robertson, all to probably feature against Hertha Berlin. How happy were you, Ross, when, when Klopp came and spoke about Virgil van Dyke? It's been nice seeing him in training, and then we, I think we've almost been kind of teased and we joked about it on the, on the watch long that we were going to bring him out at Anfield like Stone Cold Steve Austin. The glass breaks and he just walks out, and he's it's not going to happen now, is it? But, uh, equally, I'm you know, I'm glad he's being prepared properly and not being rushed. Because we all wanted him back for the first game of pre-season. But it just adds to all the nice little nuggets of happiness that we've had so far. With like Canate and Matip being fit and playing well. Kate had a good 45 minutes. It's a sign of, of the squad coming back together. Even little bits like him seeing Robertson in, in, in training the other day. And then being dead happy, thinking, you know, just... Just lovely content, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is, mate. And I think for me, you know, it's when Jürgen Klopp said he looks really good in training. Maybe we can bring him in, but I need to have some final conversation. He looks ready and we will see. Georgia, what do you reckon that actually means? How close do you think Virgil van Dijk is to getting proper minutes in a Liverpool shirt? I think, like we said, pre-season is completely different than when, when the season starts, obviously. And I think... He's probably pre-season ready now because we're looking at the games and they're not too taxing, you know, touch wood. There's no real heavy challenges that are getting thrown in, no real, you know, lung-busting sprints that have to happen. So I think that the timing of it is perfect and we're probably looking at maybe 40 minutes, 30 minutes in the next game and, and then gradually building up. But it's very exciting. <laughs> Well, it is. I mean, Klopp also talked about how a lot of the squad are going to be ready for 60 minutes, Errol. So it's kind of fits in with what George is saying there. If you see a lot of the squad are ready for 60 minutes and, and they started the pre-season games with a 30-minute match, you know, that stands to reason that maybe maybe Virgil could feature for all 30 of the remaining minutes in, in an in a, a overhaul of the team against Hertha. Um, but maybe it's sort of 20 minutes, something like that. Maybe someone else uh, can go for 70 or whatever and, and, and Virgil comes in for 20. But it's got to be noted, hasn't it, Errol, that We've got to take our time with Virgil van Dijk. We know how big a knee anterior cruciate ligament yeah. injury can be and how long it can take to get back. So although we're all excited about Virgil coming back into the side, when do you think we're going to see the Virgil van Dijk at Liverpool? Is it going to be Christmas time? Is it going to be October time? End of the season? What are you thinking? Conservatively, I'd, I'd, I'd love to say before Christmas, you know what I mean? I'd mm -hmm. love to see him back at his peak of his powers before Grimbo. Um, I, I think, you know, the fact that Canate's come in when he, when he has really, and obviously he's getting the amount of minutes he's getting already in pre-season, I think it's an indicator that he's probably not going to be starting that first game against Norwich. Uh, I think it's more likely for us that, you know, we'll probably see... I reckon about October, start bringing them back end of September, early October, you start phasing them into games, giving them 45 minutes, maybe a couple of Champions League games. You know, at the moment for pre-season, it's a low-risk gamble. Just play him, see how he feels, see how he looks on the pitch with the rest of the lads. I think it'll give the other lads a lot of confidence as well, just to see, be back on a pitch with Virgil van Dijk again, do you know what I mean? Um, but I, I wouldn't, there's no point in rushing them back after we've made the signing that we have. 
this this mm-hmm. summer. I don't see that point in risking him straight away. We've got the option to preserve him now and bring him back when he's fully ready. And you know, we know that he's he's capable of doing the the length of games and the amount of game time we're going to need from him towards the Christmas period. Yeah, just just to carry on Arrow's point there, all the pressure's coming from us, isn't it? And our excitement, what we what we want to see. But I think Arrow's right there. You now, depending on if Matip can stay fit and if Canati starts quite well, then there is no rush. What what's the point? Like it's it's great having that one because he's such a leader and because he's because he's so good on the ball. But if results are going our way and he's he's building towards fitness, then there is no need to rush him because mm-hmm. you could end up at Christmas, like you said, and he could be back to square one, or he could have a setback. You know, it's a very dangerous game. Same with Joe Gomez, and you probably chuck Nat Phillips in there as as much as people wouldn't start him or people people don't like him. From my perspective, I'd keep hold of him for for a little bit just in case we do get a setback, and then at least we're covered. You know, he's not the, he's not the perfect answer, but we saw towards the end of last season, we can he can do a job. It's not Virgil van Dijk, but I don't want a musician, uh, you know, repeated of of last season where we're desperate and you know, you know, you joked about it playing Matic while he's fit. Well, it could be by Norwich that he's not fit. Yeah. <laughs> just keep as many as you can. To a good point. Errol was trying to chime in there. What were you trying to say, mate? No, I've seen someone say a, a good point the other day, basically saying he'd keep holding that Phillips until Christmas, just to see the extent mm. of both Joe Gomez and, and Virgil van Dijk's injuries, see how they are on that road to recovery. And, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding, really, in terms of how they play the game when they come back and if they're at the same level, both of them. And I don't doubt for one minute that they can't reach that level again, but I'm not stupid and naive to think it's not going to take them a minute to get back up to full speed. So I think what Ross is saying there, potentially about keeping older than that Phillips. I know we can get money for him right now and we need to sell and, and that's another conversation. But I think in terms of just looking at those defensive options, knowing that he is capable of delivering the role that we have with the reinforcements and Matip and Canate around him at the minute, I don't see the harm in keeping hold of him until at least Christmas and then you can look to offload him in January if that's what needs to happen. It's a good point, isn't it, George? I think a lot of our fears come into this. I think that, you know, Jürgen's probably thinking quite sort of, he's happy at the moment, he's got a load of centre-backs in his squad and he's got more than, and he thinks that last season was a one-off as well. Um, there's the other side of it where Nat Phillips is probably at his most valuable now. Um, so you're probably going to get more money now than if he does just sit on the bench for six months until January. Um, he's going to go down a few million quid there. He's not played football, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Plus, he's coming off the back end of a really great season for us. So where do you sit on that? I mean, it's a difficult one because I think as a fan, personally anyway, my fear always sort of outweighs everything else. So I'm always thinking, what if that happens? Whereas I don't think the football club quite think like that, do they? No, probably not. And I think, you know, Klopp probably has a lot more confidence in their ability now to, although we do see it and we have a fear of it, they're, they're probably quite confident in how they're able to deal with injuries now because, you know, again, touch wood, like nothing's going to be worse than what happened last season in terms of the, the quick succession that, that things did happen. So I think for us, definitely as a fan, I'd love to see Nat Phillips stay just for the sheer fact of we've then got someone but I think you know I think like you said given the fact that he's probably at his most valuable we do need some of the money coming in and that turnover as well I, I don't really see him staying um, just just because I, don't, I, I do think Klopp probably has that confidence within his squad and within his squad depth now that because of what's happened no, I think you're right there. Well, let's let's move it on. So go on yeah, you, the other thing on. is we're not privy to all the data and the analysis that these players have done. We're seeing them in trading. And, and I, I, myself, I speak for myself here, go, sound he's ready. <laughs> get, get, get him on the pitch, get, get him played. Liverpool have a, a much better idea of where they're actually up to in recovery and what they can, how much they can play them 
and what the setbacks are from that. You know, whether you get a setback, was it, is it 90 days? You know, is it, is it months? Whatever else, there'll be a lot more calculated than we do. So if they sell that Phillips, I wouldn't necessarily have an issue with it because I think you're right, you know, get the money in. Everyone's talking about selling players to get to get more players in. If it means we have to sell Nat Phillips to bring in like another forward, another midfielder, I can kind of understand that. I wouldn't, wouldn't disagree with it, but I'm the same as you. Just keep him because <laughs> I don't want to end up with one centre-back with Ben Davis next season who won't turn up. Well, that's it. The other thing to link into this is obviously Joe Gomez is coming off the back of a long-term mm-hmm. injury as well. We know Joel Matip is coming off the back of an injury and a terrible injury record as well. Um, so it's how long they all take, isn't it? I think, you know, when you when you look at the pre-season as a whole, though, the first games were, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah. Uh, or was it the start of last week? I forget. Um it would it would suggest that if Virgil van Dijk is going to get minutes in this next friendly, he's two weeks behind the rest of the squad, yeah. which isn't actually that long. But what we're talking about here is how long it takes him to get back up to speed. That's the big thing for us now, isn't it? It's how long Virgil's going to get back up to speed and in this squad and be able to cement a place two times a week. Because yeah. that's the other thing, isn't it? Are we, we going to sit him out for Champions League games like we've probably never really done before? Are we going to sit him out for games in the Cups where he's always just kind of been that ever-present before, hasn't he? Well, moving on then, Gomez, because I mentioned it. Klopp says he's close behind. Um, he could be looking at the uh, game on August the 8th with Athletic Club where Joe Gomez comes back in for some minutes. So again, you know, Virgil might be two weeks behind. It looks like Gomez might be three weeks behind the rest of the squad. The two of them have obviously been been working together very closely yeah. um, during the course of this their return from injury. And Klopp said Joey is very close. There was no race between the two of them. They had different injuries and stuff like this, but he is very close. I mean, that's obviously another good thing as well, isn't it? You know, two of our senior centre halves coming back in back in the preseason before the season starts. Only a few weeks behind the rest of the squad. Yeah, it's a, it's a boost to the rest of the players. I think Manning was talking last week, and he said, you know, seeing his mates back in training and stuff like it's a it's a boost for him. You know, it'll have a knock on effect of the midfielders of Fabinho and Henderson. Doing, I've said this before. Of they don't like playing centre half, and, and nor should they. So they're, they're like, oh, sound. There's loads of loads of choices. We got we've got our team back. We can play our own system. We can work on things in pre season because we've got centre backs back in and we've got time to go to go and do this as well the, the, I was going to say the words it's not a race which is the beauty of it as well you know there's no pressure on Joe Gomez or Virgil van Dijk because of the players that we've got but it does bring healthy competition rather than just shoehorning bodies in because who's who's available for those games so fair play to him and the other thing as well to consider is the, is the mental strength of these players like I've no doubt Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk are, are you know mentally strong but also we're talking about pre-season games and Georgia mentioned there you know tackles and you know won't be flying in but come the season they will be you know we've got Burnley on the second game of the season and I, I don't want to tar them with, with, with something that they're not but they're obviously a physical side that's not a discredit to them but you know mentally will they be going subconsciously just going oh fuck it that's a 50-50 I don't, I don't really fancy that it's you know it's it's hard we have to we can't be harsh on them if, if they do mm-hmm. okay um georgia then i mean when you look at the liverpool center back situation and everything we've discussed so far who do you think will be the starting center halves with no other setbacks on the first day of the game, of the first day of this new season i, I think an has got to be in there because we've seen him in pre-season and you know, it'd be a big deal for him as well to start that first game at the Premier League. I don't know is the answer. I'd like to, you know, in my heart it just says Virgil, but literally everything we've just been talking about, it may be far, far too soon to put one like that in there. Um, so I, I wouldn't know. I, I honestly, I think Canate certainly entered that spot recently. Maybe it is Nat Phillips if we've still got him. 
Um, I don't see someone like Reese Williams stepping into that spot, though, and, and whether it's Fabinho that we drop back again. Errol, would you not think that, obviously, Joel Matip's played pre-season as well? Do you think maybe it'll just be Joel Matip and, and Canate following on from George's thoughts? I, I genuinely do, yeah. And I think it's a it's a big incentive for those two if they do start as well because everybody knows what Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez are capable of when they're fully fit. If you can be that centre-back pair and um, you know, we're keeping clean sheets and the results are going our way, they're going to have to work even harder to dislodge you no matter how fit they actually are. So for them, it's a big incentive because I'm not being... Me, I love Joel Matip. When Joel Matip's fit, I think before Canate came, I've not seen enough of him to, to say where he ranks in our current crop of defenders and centre-halves. I think Joel Matip on a, on a fully fit day is probably our second best centre-half. That's just me personally. So he knows now his main competition is two other lads. You know, a Joe Gomez coming back from fit, uh, from a, a big injury and this new lad coming in wanting to to make his his spot his own. So I think for the likes of Joe, uh, for Joel Matip, it's huge to not only try and stay fit and, you know, that that's down to his body and, and how he performed really more than anything else. But it's that getting to that level and maintaining that when the games are coming thick and fast towards, you know, the October time, Champions League. And when you get that opportunity to start making it your own and performing to the highest level, I think that's going to be crucial for them, hitting the ground running straight away. They almost don't have a choice either because if they don't perform, there's two two world class centre backs on the on the back, isn't there? Like mm. if, you, if they don't perform, like they can make they can make the decision easier for Klopp if, like Errol says, if they're performing. Well, there's no need to push Gomez and Van Dijk. We'll just we'll just play them as and when half an hour here, you know, 20, 20, 20 minutes there each. But if if they're not performing, it's all right. Just I'll just play Virgil Van Dijk instead, mate, and you, and, and you can sit out. That's why I was talking about the healthy competition before. I don't think it'll be aggressive or you know it'll, it'll cause issues Canate is 22 and he's going to learn off those three I think is, is absolutely incredible you know on and off the pitch of you know how he should perform at Liverpool you know and your role he's embodied that already you know doing his little videos every, every five minutes like he's like a little kid being there so for him to learn off those and then you know not necessarily be be, be bitchy or anything to say like this is what you're supposed to do he's still got to learn the system and it is quite strange that someone will come in and go straight in you know we've mentioned Fabinho Chamberlain Robertson we don't see these people for months so it will be it won't be unique if he just didn't start the game, first game of the season but I do think I think it'd be massive well, we did see a centre-back in Verge will come straight in <laughs> Of course, I mean, the, but he's on a fucking to, different level to all those other players. But he's playing so. a different position to all the others. So yeah. uh, what I'm oh, yeah, saying okay. is not necessarily that difficult for a centre half to do it. It could be, yeah, yeah. because Virgil was just head and shoulders above, and we needed him to. Or it could be that Klopp doesn't mind doing it with that position because there's not as many passing lanes to think about in the pressing game yeah. and all that type of stuff. We just, I just don't think we know. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, uh, so two other lads that um are probably in line for minutes in the Hertha Berlin game, uh, Diogo Jota uh, and Andy Rob. Robertson probably going to get 30 minutes each rush. Robbo, I think we know where we stand. We don't probably need to talk too much about Andy Robertson. But Diogo Jota's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've obviously seen Oxley chamberlain play that nine or a 10 at times as well um, during pre-season. Where do you think Jota's going to come in and play? Do you think he's going to come in as a false nine? Or do you think he's going to come in and maybe the others all just move around a little bit? Um, I suspect he might be. Left wing or and false nine. I don't think there's a, there's a concrete position for him. That's the, the beauty of having him. You know, he's he's so flexible in what he does. But also, I don't I don't think the Chamberlain things a concern because I think that was a case of we didn't really have another number nine, really, do we? You know, in, inside the team. You know, Minamino, we're not still not sure what he is. Bobby's obviously away. We're testing Chamberlain to to see what he can do. But that's mm -hmm. just making him a bit more, you know, 
adding some another quality to his to his game. You know, you've got options in midfield. Well, short of options in midfield, still, in my opinion, depends if someone else comes in. But Jota comes in and, and play can play centre forward or left wing for me. But you know, Manny looks like he's up to speed and he's bang up for this season. Do you really want to kind of not not stall him, but you know, kind of take his rhythm away from him because going into the season? But there's what three more games to play, so I think we'll see Jota in a variety of positions. And Robertson is exactly the same. He's got a bit more competition this season in Simicast, but that's a good thing for Robertson because it means he can have a fucking rest. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that one. Errol, what about you, mate? Are you looking at Jota as um, the fourth for three spots or do you think this is the season where he can break into that front three? No, I still reckon it's fourth and three, to be honest. I think he's going to be the utility man. Wherever someone needs a rest or the performance dips a little bit, provided that he's fit, he'll come in. I think he'll always be one of the first substitutes off the bench. And I think last season he showed that that was where he was pretty impactful. He could do that pretty well. He could come into a game, you know, you know, with half an hour, 35 minutes left to go, and he could have an impact and he could get up to speed pretty quick. Um, I, I just, I, I'd love to him to... I'd, I don't. I wouldn't even really want him to dislodge the front three. I just want the front three to come back and be banging on all cylinders this season. But if he's if they're not, then he is a, a good asset to have because we can just readily bring him in and hopefully he'll be able to do a job and pick up where he left off really for us. I think that's interesting, isn't it, George? Errol's just sort of broke something in my brain there where I've gone, you know what? He struggled a little bit after his injury, didn't he, Jota? He wasn't the same player as pre-injury when he was firing on all those cylinders and scoring goals left, right and centre. Do you think this pre-season is maybe just as important for Jota as it is for the other lads who are coming back off injury? Just to sort of reset himself and get back into that rhythm of scoring goals? I think so. And I think when, when we look at the Euros as well, he didn't necessarily have the best of tournaments that maybe we thought he would have when when we first signed him you know we, like i said when he was firing and the champions league game especially if that that wasn't the shot that we saw kind of in in the most recent international fixtures so i think pre-season's a massive time for him to just reset and i agree with errol i think he kind of slots into that kind of what we used the rigi for a lot of the time when we did when we did get him of of that first substitute and that first name that we bring on in any of those positions but he may have more of an impact now. Yeah, I wrote it something similar. I was, as I was thinking then, <clears throat> Bobby needs two things. He needs a decent rest, mm-hmm. and he also needs a decent preseason under his belt. With Jota there, that relieves the pressure on him. So maybe for the first couple of games of the season, again, like we're saying with the centre back, there's not much pressure on Bobby to come and come and start games. So like he was. Along with a lot of other players last season, were just absolutely knackered because they were available, they were fit. We played them. He's been away in Copa America. He's probably away on a holiday now, as is as is Fabinho and uh, and Allison. So, if Jota's there and Jota's fit, you know, and he's ready to fight, then there's no reason why he can't start left wing and we play money down the middle or or a variation of that. You know, we're talking about pressure pressure on these players. Bobby's form was was terrible last season. There's a massive question of is he done? But I don't. I I personally don't believe that he is. I just think he was fucking knackered. The team was disjointed and knackered. I think it's important in him mentally and physically to give him a big rest and go. Don't worry about Norwich. Don't worry about Burnley, mate. You know we've got we've got we've got the players to, to compete. And again, if we bring someone else in, there's even less pressure on them. Yeah, I think the other thing is as well. You know, you know, we're lucky enough to sit down and speak with Trent Alexander Arnold. The videos on the website and stuff there, and he's talking about the form that like Liverpool were in, and how that makes you feel and stuff. And for as tired as all those players were, the fact that they weren't playing well, they yeah. weren't getting results. 
when they've gone from the highs of winning the league the year before to, and I know everyone goes through the empty stadiums and all that type of stuff, but when you go from them highs to them lows, how do you drag yourself as a squad through that when you're losing men out the back, left, right and centre, yeah. big important pieces? This is a chance for everybody to reset. You know, Pep Linders has spoken about the press in his, in his diary, hasn't he, where he's talking about how Liverpool need to get back to pressing, um, you know, showing that intensity and winning that ball back. These are all great things that you're hearing because I think it was blind obvious to all the fans that it just wasn't there it wasn't working in the same way we couldn't way. rotate so no. we couldn't yeah yeah and they, so we were tired yeah and so this pre-season is massive for everybody because I think everybody needs that reset so you mentioned the for couple me, of players there three players in fact go on Errol go on Firmino last season he looked like he he was a hundred metre Olympic runner doing a marathon that's how he kind of looked. He came flying out of the blocks, but then within the space of about four or five weeks, he realised, actually, this is a marathon, not a sprint, and how am I going to get to the end of the season if I'm playing at this pace? And his mind and his body just didn't have it, and I think that was probably one of his biggest drawbacks. It was trying to balance the two of wanting to be overly intense, but knowing I've still got another game to play Wednesday or I've got another game to play on Sunday, how do I do it? And I think that is probably the best thing for him this this summer is getting that, as Ross was saying, getting that extended pre-season and getting a bit more of a break and a rest. Hopefully he can come back and he'll be able to have a little bit more in the tank consistently for the rest of the summer. Or the rest of the season, no, I, sorry. I hope you're right. I mean, listen, there's, Ross mentioned three players there, Alisson, Fabinho and Firmino that are coming back. Uh, Thiago and Henderson will join that trio. Uh, they should be back by the 2nd of August. Now, the one thing that strikes me when I look at that list, Thiago, Henderson, Alisson, Fabinho, Firmino. It's fucking spying, isn't it? My word, yeah. that, is a, yeah. that is the spine yeah. of the team. But they haven't played that a lot of football is. over the Euros either. Yeah, you know Henderson kept coming on as a sub. Thiago kept coming on as a sub. I think Fabinho, Allison, sorry for me. You know they weren't playing every game in the Copa America. Fabinho, Fred Fabinho, was playing ahead of him, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So these lads, close to match fitness, had a decentish break. There have been training when they're abroad at their respective tournaments and stuff. Um, but I think f for me, I'm looking at them going. They're not going to be far away. It's not going to be long before we see these lads into the into the team. I mean, they come back two weeks before the Premier League season to the spine of the team. When they come back, we'll get an idea. I think of what Liverpool are going to be up for this season. Yeah. And I suppose the beauty of the season starting to time with that is the fact that it's one game a week for the first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So there were so many times last season we're talking about we didn't didn't have the right plays, the, the form and the, the morale was was completely on the floor. But also we never had time to train or work in anything. Apart from the centre backs, we're trying to teach Nat Phillips and Reese Williams how to defend in in our system. Besides that, there was relatively there was no time to do anything else. So you know you can get all these players back, and it, you know when you say there's Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho, like we're all going, what's the midfield? That you know if, if, you, if they're all fit and firing, that's the midfield that's going to going to start. Because besides that, you're looking at what Milner, Curtis Jones, Navigator, he continues to perform. Or, you know, he's done. He's done 45 minutes. We still got options, but it's not your first choice. But maybe again, it's, it's something similar. Just just get them back. You no, know, Dot Hanson will want to start playing. He wants to get the season up and running. Fabinho, besides practicing his scouts, I think he he, he would fit in firing. And Thiago, I, th I think they'll all be fine fine to start. But also, it comes back to the rotation. You know, if they're not 100 fit, we'll just play them for an hour. And and you know put Navigator on if he's fit. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I'll tell you what, I've got a question for you, George. I'm going to put you on the spot for this one, mate. Um, who will be Liverpool's most improved player this season if we're going back to like under-11s awards? Ooh. Don't worry, I've got a different one for you, Errol. <laughs> I think, um, think Thiago. 
I, I think, you know, we saw glimpses and we saw glimpses and we've seen a lot more kind of in-training footage than we've probably seen of them in a match. I think this second season, having that maybe that frustration of the Euros, of him not, not getting as many minutes as, as he probably wanted, I hope that this season is the season we see him kind of break through and, you know, you know, there's not much for him to improve on. But in terms of form, I think this season will be a big season for him. Yeah, I mean, the way he finished the season was just, he was the best player on the pitch for the last eight games, wasn't he? Are you looking for him to basically just extend that and show that across the course of the season? I think just from the start, just to be that that dominating presence, because like you said, he was such a big name, someone we've chased for kind of so long. And it wasn't that we were disappointed. It was just that he didn't get the, the chances until he got into his rhythm towards the end of the season. I think now, especially with fans back in the stadium, I think this is where we see him kind of in that form that we watched in like buying compilations and things. I mean, I'm really excited to see him this season. Errol, sorry. Uh, I've got a, I nearly gave you my answer for that one there. <laughs> um, who is going to be the breakthrough star? And it doesn't have to be a young player. Uh, like Harvey Elliott, it could be, um, <laughs> it could be someone who maybe has hit thirty games in a season. So it could be if you think Naby Keita is going to go on and do it this season, or Oxley Chamberlain. You know, one of those fringe players that maybe makes themselves a mainstay. Who's got the best chance of that? That is such a hard one. Um, I think based on last year, my. My gut would be telling me it would be Curtis Jones. I think he's got the most at stake to try and claim in, in terms of holding it down. In terms of, we've seen him break through. I'd say last season was probably his breakthrough season, just the amount of minutes that he got on the, on the pitch. I don't think anyone was expecting it, but that was down to other things at play, really, in terms of the bodies that we lost and the, the availability of other uh, players. So I think Curtis Jones is probably a shoe in for, for that in terms of he needs to now make sure that he doesn't get less minutes than he got last season. I think that's a given. But I think in terms of having that breakthrough and that impactful season, I, I, I'm going to... I know I said about Jota just being that rotation option, but I, I want to say Jota, you know, I genuinely think if he can really get some head of steam and perform when he is called upon, I think he does by January, provided that he's fit, have a good chance of starting the new year as one of those from three. Um, I don't know who it will be for because I think it's a big season for the lads that have already been established in Firmino and Mane. I think especially those two. I think if they are performing to the level that he was towards the back end of last season, there is ample opportunities for Jota to dislodge one of them. Um, so I think for him, it could be a breakout season where he gets, you know, double figures in terms of scoring goals that he gets his return. I think that would be really impressive from, from my perspective, just to add a little bit extra firepower from that forward line. So cool. I've got a question for you, Ross, but it's going to be a little bit later on in the show as oh, well. Okay, mate. Uh, so we're going to move on to transfers. But before we do, uh, I want you to check out this clip from our exclusive Redmen TV interview with Kenny Dalgleish. Um, and listen, here it is. It's on the YouTube now. Check it out. That's a great, I think it's a great uh, compliment to himself that he's going, the manager of have come in is, I've been more than happy with him. And I think their decisions to keep him ultimately have, have proved to be correct because um, the dressing room is a much better place with people like him and Millie and, and the dressing room. You need a strong dressing room to be successful. 
Um, I think the people that come in are made to feel very welcoming. Although you have your own fan people in around the dressing room that you're closer to than others, it doesn't matter as the captain, he's got a lead role in there to to get everybody together. And he's done that. And um, as I say, on the pitch, he stands up and I think it's a great tribute to him as well that I think a lot of people don't realise how important he is to the team until he's not there. Uh, and sometimes you see people playing, you take them for granted. And I think we'll get, there'll be a lot of players who'll be like that. So I think Jordan has, has served his time brilliantly. Uh, and although he might say he's been truly happy working at Liverpool, it's Liverpool that should be grateful for somebody coming in and doing the work he's done both on and off the pitch. And in, in a lot of, well, a lot of times it's been trying times as well. It's no, I mean, sweetness and celebrations. I mean, over the last three or four years, it has been huge success. But before that, it was a hard, it was a hard shift, and he came through it. And, He's there, and I think everybody that's worked with him and for him on the pitch, I'll really, really stand up and say thanks very much, Jordan. Go and check that one out over on the, the YouTube channel. It's available there, of course, and we've got loads and loads and loads of exclusive interviews on our streaming service, theredmentv.com. Uh, we would not be still making YouTube eleven uh, YouTube videos 11 years in if it wasn't for the fantastic support of our subscribers to our streaming service. So thank you very much. And for everybody who's liked, watched, commented on our videos, it all helps. Uh, it all helps a lot. Uh, we're going to talk transfers now. Uh, according to Marcia, uh, Ross... Uh, over in Spain, uh, Liverpool have contacted the agents of San Aguez, uh, but it looks like Manchester United could be the likely destination. How much money have they got, by the way? Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. It looks like 50 million euros might be enough to prize away, I guess. Do you think this is one that Liverpool are going to pull the trigger on? Don't shoot it too early. No, mm, I don't. Yeah, you're right. I just... No, I just don't see it. Not for a couple of reasons. I'm not saying I'm just dismissing the player. I think the, the, the player's quality, but it just doesn't... Previous seasons, when we've been linked to players, and I, I used the example of Timo Werner for last season, which I actually they do think we were in for, how many shows and stuff we discussed, and then you just bring someone that they, they don't talk about, you don't hear of, through the back door. Liverpool's so good at doing their business, which is frustrating from our perspective, trying to, trying to do this, but I think if I take myself as a fan... I just rather just, it just appears and it just happens. I love that the Fabinho stuff. Like again, it was a pain in the ass for work, but I like just just get it done. I don't like all the the links and stuff. And we've seen so how many links have we seen so far this season? Where who Liverpool been linked with? Sorry, this summer. And it's like you just take them with a pinch of salt until there's something a bit more concrete. And there was the Jarrod Bowen stuff, which isn't as sexy as Sal Niguez. Um, you know, so people won't won't, won't do that. But again, I said as I said last week, I've got the the backing of you know the the. The recruitment team to, to do what they want. You know, I probably wouldn't go for Jared Bowen myself. He's not me, probably not me fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth eighth choice. To be honest with you, would, would never have picked him. Um, and I think I think Liverpool can do better, and I think Liverpool should be doing better because I think there's a cost that comes with not replacing, not giving Gino Adam a, a, a contract. Um, you know, I've, I've expressed concerns about Cater, Gayson, a great forty five minutes, but that's not enough for me. Do that over three months, and I might convince me to change my mind. And same with Oxley Chamberlain. I know he's had a massive injury; it's slightly different, but I don't think for the competitions that I want us to fight for next season, we should be relying on 
on those. I think. Well, that's the thing when you look through the squad, isn't it, Ross? When you look through the squad and listen, I love Matip and I love Joe Gomez, but they're injury prone and there's no hiding that. I love Jordan Anderson, but he's pretty injury prone. Yeah. Um. I, I you know, I love Gino Wijnaldum. He wasn't. Yeah. And he was there playing all the games all, all the time. You look at Oxley Chamberlain, Cater, clearly talented footballers, but they're injury prone. Yeah. Like, and no player wants tough. to be injury prone, by the way. And no. there's no, there's no, it's a rare case of Genie Man Alden. And everyone's going like, just stop buying people. People go through transfer market and go, well, he's been injured three times. He's injury prone. There's no, they play football for a living. They're gonna get, they're gonna get injured. You know, it, it, it happens. You know, some, some more than others. But I just think you're you're trying to replace the amount of games that he played. And I know his form wasn't great in the past couple of months. But you know, as he's discussed himself, which we'll come on to later, he was goosed. Like he was just playing football when he probably wasn't fit or he shouldn't have been playing because there was nobody else. And you know, you strip it back for some of those players, then it's what James Milner, who's thirty six, Curtis Jones, who I do I think will will play more this season. But are they the, is that the midfield you want to rely on or those players that you want to rely on when you're going for a Premier League title, which I want us to win next season, a Champions League next season, an FA Cup probably, all those competitions. No, it's not. Um I know Gilly Tillemans might 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 be a shout for. <laughs> uh, sorry, I've just got some breaking news. Oh, genuine breaking news! It's official. Eve Basuma is now a first teamer to the Red Men TV YouTube channel. He's just joined up as a member. Official Eve Basuma, thank you so much for joining up as a first teamer. You are now a member of the Red Men TV YouTube top banter. Official Eve Basuma, top banter, my friend. Your faces, then, by the way. He's breaking news. For a second, I thought you were going to be serious and go, I've got some breaking news, and then tell us some serious news. It is. It's serious news. Oh, God, I filled the comments. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you just ruined just ruin people's day. But funny enough, after, after, after Tilly Gillimans, the other one I was going to say was Yves Basuma. So maybe that's a sign. Well, yeah. he signed up. He signed up, mate. Oh, there you go then. Let's oh, get let's get him. Cool. Well, he's already he's halfway here. He's, isn't he's he? here. Don't need plane trackers. He's just first teamer, yeah. mate. There you go. Well. You know what I mean? He goes straight into. I will quite like him to be fair. He's fucking boss yeah. to be fair, isn't yeah. he? Uh, top banter officially. He's Basuma, and you can see him in the comments. He's in green. He's got that lovely green red men TV badge because he's new and he's green. Um, so thank you so much. Really love that one, mate. Absolutely loved it. Um, you were saying, Ross? <laughs> you got no idea. I'd said Liverpool needs to go big for someone in the midfield for me this summer. <laughs> Tilly Gillimans was the, was the shout, and then obviously you presume was the other one I was going to come up to. I don't think it's don't think it's Renato Sanchez, but I've there's loads of panic, you know, which I don't I don't quite understand. I, I do understand because I, I know uh, we all want the same thing. We want Liverpool to, to do well. We want Liverpool to be successful. I don't get the fury and the anger of going. Well, we haven't signed anyone yet because first of all we have signed someone. Second of all, it's not a race. Liverpool need to shift some bodies before we bring bring more in. It's not... boring though, Ross. What? It's boring. Is it though? It is for everyone else. It's not. It's not. Just stop panicking. Like judge the transfer window when it's when it's closed. Like stop. Well, I get the frustration of, of, of kicking off, but to me, I don't. I don't see the point in it of just going. Well, we haven't signed anyone. We're, we're going to finish fourth. Blah blah blah. Everyone wants Liverpool to do well. Everyone wants to be successful. Successful. I think we will bring in a midfielder and a forward this summer, but we just have to just have to wait. Okay, well, uh, on to players that are potentially going out. Um, Georgia, this is a bit of a mad one, but West Ham apparently want Ox and are going to try for a loan deal. Yeah, no. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm, I'm for it. I think, you know... You'd get rid of him on loan? It's what he... I would, because at the what? end of the day, Ox needs game time. He needs game time. We can't provide him the game time he needs to get him to the he form. He can't provide us the game time. He's injured. Well, this is the perfect chance, I think, for him to get that, to get. This is the last chance. It's the last chance. If he goes away and does well at West Ham, has a solid season there, there is the potential to fill that slot and to see out the season in midfield for Liverpool. There's a shot for that. Alternatively, his, his price goes through the roof because he has a good season somewhere. We're not going to do anything with him now because he's got the label of being this injury-prone bench player. He goes away, he goes on loan. It doesn't like jeopardise anything for us at all and has a good season. And we have to keep him or sell him. It's a win-win in my mind. Well, I can see you shaking your head there, mate. The only reason I'm shaking my head is because he's got two years left on his deal, which means if we were to loan him in the second to last year, then we would. I would only do it if they had an obligation to buy him at the end of the season for a certain price that was already kind of pre-established now. Um, because otherwise he comes back with a year to go. We don't know what form he's going to be in. We don't know what condition his body's going to be in. And then we're going to be the ones left holding the bag of an Oxlade Chamberlain that we might have to lose on a free. And we might not be able to sell for more than 10 to 15 mil next season anyway. Um, so for me, I wouldn't... I. I'd entertain it if it was they're going to loan with the obligation to buy. Otherwise, if they want him from him, if they want him off us now, they have to buy him, cough up the cash. At the end of the day, if we keep saying we're trying to offload players to make the signings for the players that we want. And let's be honest, if we're wanting, if we're going to go, if we were in a position where we can go out and buy our first and second choice players, but we still need, we have to sell in order to do that, then I'd sell them because we're going to get one or two. In, in terms of a replacement and they're going to be quality that are going to be able to provide us the minutes that we need. But if it means that we sell them and or we loan them and we're not going to bring anybody else in to replace that space, I just don't see the point or the value in doing that. No, I, I'm with you, mate. Except I just wouldn't even entertain the idea with the greatest of respect, um, Georgia. I'm like, well, he's English for a start and he's homegrown. 
Um, so you need to probably bring someone in like that to replace him in the squad. I think that's expensive. important, um, which is expensive, exactly. You, you're probably not getting more than five or six million for a loan fee anyway, if you can even get that. You can't recall him on a year loan to a Premier League club. So you're already, you know for a fact, as Errol said, he's coming back with a year left on his contract and he's fit for the first time in like three years and he's a really, really good player. And that's kind of what it comes down to for me. He's been fit now for longer than he's probably ever been fit in his Liverpool career because it was like February, March time he came back and he's building that fitness up and he's starting to look like fast and he's starting to look strong. And I know I spoke before about him being sort of injury prone and stuff, but man... There are other there are other positions in the squad where I think we're more stocked than probably centre midfield. Yeah, and just to actually just to argue George's point because I think I, I understand where she's coming from. If he has another season like he has done for the past couple of seasons with Liverpool, and he's not successful and he's more injury prone and he's got a year left on his deal, we're not offering him a new one. His value is going to be mm. low, and who's going to want to buy him? So that's the thing. So it is a massive. I'd probably put Naby Keita because I think he's got two years left on his deal as well in 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 that same bracket. So for all the reasons that we had fearful of a centre backs and stuff last season, I am the same with centre midfielders, which is why I keep him for this season. What I just evidence on the past couple of seasons, same with Naby Keita, I don't see him playing more than 15, 20 games this season, which might be what we need if we get someone else in, which is fine. But I think it'd be I think it'd be silly to let another midfielder go. And not replace them. This this conversation is all easy if we buy two midfielders. Yeah. And I go, okay, Sam, fucking yeah. <laughs> See you later. You need to free up some yeah. wage room and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. You're right to reply, yeah. Georgia. Oh, I, I completely agree with where you're coming from. I, but I'll always argue it from a player perspective. And the main thing for him is is to play. And, you know, I'm not seeing anybody come in for him at the moment. Yeah, West Ham want him on loan. They're not going to buy him. That's why they've asked for a loan. Like, I'm not mm. being funny. So, it's where that game time comes from at the end of the day, and I don't see him, you know, cementing his spot in Liverpool this season. Okay, no, it's fair enough. Uh, officially, Basuma sent a super chat for two US dollars. Thank you so much. And he says, I'll have 40 goals and 30 assists this season. It must be late over there because he clearly hit the bottle. Um, Stephen Somerville, Irish Rugby. Thank you for the 9.99 super chat. Just want to shout out Connor Bradley. He's just got a new contract as well, I believe. He's been playing in pre-season. Oh, yeah, and he's got a new long-term deal. He's from Northern Ireland, which I'm proud to say is a fellow man myself, Hopefully, f- hopeful from the academy. He's supposed to be very, very good. If anyone read uh, the Athletic article, on him, um, you, it will get you excited. Uh, you can you can check that one out as well. Uh, and we've just had another super chat from David Long. Don't jinx it. The last player said to be looking fitter than ever, and we'll get past the injury proneness before a season was storage. Yeah, you're probably quite right there, David. Uh, to Ooh. be honest with you, we'll move on to the one of the big stories. It's a it's a thumbnail story. Oh. It's Shakiri, and he said that he wants out from Liverpool Football Club and that Liverpool will not stand in his way. And I think he name checked Lazio as a potential destination. <laughs> as well, although Napoli is supposed to be interested. I think this is one of those ones where he comes off the back of the good Euros. We're actually going to make a profit on Shakiri, which is pretty good when you consider like how long he's played for us now and what we've won with him in the side and how big a part he's been of the squad. This is one where you go, exactly like George is saying, from the player perspective, Shakiri's time to move on is now, isn't it? Yeah, I'd probably argue from a fan's perspective as well, to be honest, because I don't know if he's been... A I will miss his calves. Yeah, they are they are massive, aren't they? And he he came got a new hairline and left, didn't he? So fair play to him. Um, I don't know if he's if he's a victim of the system or our style of play, and whether it was that was an opportunity opportunistic 
buy at the time because it like when we bought him, it's like, where's he going to play? Do we have to play 4 2 3 1 to kind of make him fit? He's not blessed with pace, so he can't really fill in for Salah, but he's, you know, he's good. And then there was times where you're kind of thinking, especially last season, there was times where he was on the bench and you're thinking, bring him on. And he never appeared or he'd appear for five minutes. And he, you know, he needs time to get into the game. Or there was even one time where he appeared on the sidelines and the final whistle went and he never even got on. So I think there's frustration from the fan side of we wanted to see more of him. We saw glimpses of obviously the Man United game had an impact at Barcelona as well. It just doesn't, there wasn't enough to, to, to kind of go off. And, you know, I'm not sure whether that's his fault. I'm not sure where to put my frustration or whether it's that Jurgen Klopp from not getting the kind of most of him. I think that, you know, that might be a valid point. Um, although he's very good with everybody else. Um, so fair play to him. I, I quite like the fact that he's come out and just, you know, I think some players do this and just go, I don't fancy it anymore. Fair play for being fucking honest because he can sit there and take a wage at Liverpool and go, well, I won't do anything. He wants to further his career. It's mad that he's been, and the, the teams that he's kind of been out of, you know, was it buying in said Liverpool and Stoke, which is just absolutely mental. He wants to go for a different league that he thinks will suit it's him. Got a, got a bit of a Michael Owen list of yeah, teams yeah, about just, that, hasn't it? Like? The other way around. Um, but if you have to go, you know, and, and play football, as George said before about Chamberlain, then who are we to, to judge him? Fair play. Yeah, there's an interesting comment here, actually, uh, Errol, from Kevin Ball, who says Shaq's comments won't help us getting a good price for him. Teams now know he wants out. What do you think of that one? Um, it's, a, it's a fair point. Teams won't, but I think that it wasn't a secret anyway. I think from, you know, especially the Liverpool fan base, I think a lot of fans were saying it's time in terms of the list of, you know, kind of desirable outgoings. He would have been high up that one because you'd probably retain most of his value, if not, like you said there, Chris, make a bit of a profit back on him. So I think it, it's not a secret that we we would have been happy to sell him if the right offers came in this summer. Um, I just think in terms of, the, my only worry is I think some of those Italian clubs are pretty cash strapped anyway. So they're probably never going to come in and try and offer over the odds for any of our players, especially fringe ones. Um, but, you know, if if they can give us what we got, did we get them for 12? If we can get between so, yeah, 13 12, and the 15. Figure that's in my head. Yeah, like between 13 and 15 million for him, considering what he's done. I'd never call him a servant. I don't think he was ever really a servant for us, but I think he, he added a level of kind of caliber of player that we had in our squad at one point and you know was integral in terms of us being able to get to where we got to and win the things we did i think when you've got those level of professionals in and around your squad it brings everybody's game up and training you know i think you know from what i can take from it i think the likes of alexander arnold you would have probably learned how to hit a sweet free kick from having shakiri in, in training with him week in week out those things will stay with this squad long after Shakiri's gone. So I think little things like that are always worthwhile when we have players of that level. Um, but it's time for him to go, and I think we can get a fairly decent price for him. I don't think anyone would grumble from the fan base. We might see a deal similar to the Harry Wilson stuff. I think he's just deferred payments the next season because you know, well, you know, it's not just Lazio. There's clubs. You know, you mentioned the French league a few times that are completely skint, and they just go, just give us, a, give us a season of having fans back in the stadiums. We'll have the fucking money for you next season. Doesn't help us now, though, does it? Unless we can get someone no, who's, who's willing to do the no, same. But it, but it, but it helps us it helps us with wages and and you know yeah, getting true. getting someone else off off, off the books and, and and squad space. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But Liverpool can then earmark. Might not need the money right now, but then they can go. Well, we're getting twelve million pound next season. We can afford to use that money now. We can use that maybe to offset one of the five million Jota payments yeah. or something yeah. like that as yeah. well. No, it's yeah. an interesting point. Uh, M Brown get, joined us a first-teamer as well. Thank you so much. Sorry, mate. Uh, N Brown, that was, who's just joined us a first-teamer over on YouTube. What were you going to say, Errol? Or we could get a loan 
from the bank and say, look, we're good for it because we've got, you know, the Harry Wilson money coming in next year. We've got Shaqiri's money coming in next year. So give us the money now for the players that we want today. Fucking owners can lend us the money. 12 months time. Yeah, they could, either or, but I'm just saying. Stop spending it on yachts. (laughs) Oh dear. Um, I've got a question for you, Georgia. Can Harvey Elliott replace him in the squad? They are the rumours. Yeah, I think so. Because when we look at what what Shaqiri actually offered last season... I see Harvey Elliott stepping into that role quite quite easily. You look at the season he had at Blackburn, and it was really exciting. And you look at him in pre-season training when you look at the, the content that's getting put out. Again, he, he's super exciting. So I, I'm really excited to see where Harvey Elliott comes this season and, and where he steps into the squad. And I think Shakiri's role within Liverpool's first team, it's not like he, he's stepping into you know, a starting role. I think that that's a, a natural progression for him. Or even Curtis Jones. Kate Jones as well. Now it's interesting. I mean, what was the one thing that stood out to you, Georgia, about your kid? Because Ross, I think, mentioned it before, didn't he? About that. He never really fit in to the 4-3-3 system, did he? Um, he always looked best in a 4-2-3-1-4 or something like that. I mean, Harvey Elliott already this preseason, it looks like they may be transitioning to a centre midfield spot. Do you think that maybe is because of the lack of the pace? Possibly, or it's more that, again, we'll look looking at where the game time will come from and, and you know when you've got two wingers like Sadio and, and Mo it, it's very hard for him to to get those minutes there and it, it may be that he's you know it, it might even be that that's a sole position that he will play in it's just that he's now got that like Ross was saying about the Ox he's now got that other string to his bow of well he's played minutes in at centre mid he knows how to play out wide he's done a full season in the championship doing that so it, it may just be that you know he's now got another position that he is comfortable in and pre-season's the perfect time to do that and to try that out mm, interesting stuff we're going to move on then we're going to talk about Jeannie Wijnaldum and his comments over the weekend um, Ross I promise you I'd have a, a question for you and I think at the time the questions were like who's going to be the breakthrough player and all that type of stuff who is going to be the player who is replaced as the uh, social media hated player of the season oh um do you want some time to think about it while we talk to no well I've got two okay. I think it's going to be Simicass interesting or Cater Cater's a great shout I think yeah so let's talk about it um, first of all you wrote a really good article actually on the on the subject Ross so I'll start with you uh, where you were talking about the keyboard warriors and stuff like that and obviously the Times broke the story didn't they uh, I'm just going to read a few comments uh, a few quotes uh, from Wijnaldum there was a moment when I didn't feel loved and appreciated not by my teammates not the people at Melwood from then I know I can say they all love me and I love them but it was not from that side more the other side I have to say also there was social media when it went bad I was a player who they blamed said that I wanted to leave. Every day in training in the game, I gave everything I had to bring it to a good end. During the years, Liverpool meant so much to me and also the way the fans in the stadium were treating me. On social media, if we lost, I was the one who got the blame. There was a moment where I was like, wow, if they only knew what I was going through to stay fit. Um, I'm not going to be playing because it's a risk. Some players, Jeannie was saying, would be like that. Um, I was given everything. I didn't always play good, but after the game, I could look in the mirror and say I trained hard to get better. I think at the fans in the stadium, the fans in social media, my feeling was that there were two different things. In the stadium, I can say nothing bad about them. They always supported me. Even when they came back into the stadium, already knowing that I was going to leave, they still supported me. And in the end, they gave me a great farewell. Just to sort of 
caveat that wasn't all one speech that he said there was a few different quotes there that i read just together and stuff but you get that sort of general gist i think first of all what did you make of it and the sort of reaction online to it um first of all i think the headline didn't do him any favors what was the headline um I was something about I loved Liverpool, but I wasn't loved or something like that on on social media. But I think he's also done himself a little disservice because I think he was he was quite cryptic on his last game of the season or his last interview, and he's like, oh, "I'm going to tell tell me story or whatever else." And for weeks and weeks, people were going, you know, whatever tweet he's put out, he's like, "Oh, tell us about FSG, tell us tell us kind of about that." And he touches on it. The other side he's talking about is the owners that he didn't feel love from. Um, the reaction on the internet was baffled me, but also didn't baffle me the fact that people just read the headline and didn't read the actual article. And everyone was going, well, you're saying he left because of a couple of blurts on the internet. But it's not what he said at all. He was just highlighting the abuse that he on social media, highlighted it, told told his bit, and then got abuse for highlighting <laughs> abuse on social media, which is just, just it's, his, it's, his own, it's his own story. It's this, I, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, it's a vicious circle, by the way. Uh, yeah. Okay, I thought nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I was also quite shocked because... It, because he was stitched up by the headline, I didn't think that was Henry Winter. I didn't think that was his his style. Do you know what I mean? It feels a bit like gotcha journalism, or you know the way the way they were. It just never helped. But again, it's not his fault that people don't read the article. And I think the Guardian did something that was completely similar. So well, one thing so, to uh, one thing to note, Ross, is the person who writes the article very often doesn't write the headline for newspapers. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That's how that makes, makes sense. Um, but the, the times you had to pay to subscribe, and there's loads of people. Well, I'm not paying to fucking to read it. Well, don't make an assumption on a headline then, or go to the Guardian where you could go and, you could go and read it for free. I find the, the fact that you know, loads of people brought up his wages and what he was earning. That's a separate conversation. If he wants to go and do well for his family, then fair fucks to him. Like I've got no, no problem with that. And people saying that he jibbed off Barcelona for for PSG. Well, Barcelona is not the best project. Could Barcelona really afford him? We don't know the ins and outs because they could, they've only just announced the pie and. You know, Aguero on the back of it, what they're trying to do because they're a financial mess. If someone, if someone turned around and went, Yeah, I was 250 grand a week or whatever, he's on 150 in his last big contract, then fair play to him. Like in a, in a, a league that's not the best, but it might suit him. He's, he's doing what's best for his family. I've got no issue with him at all. If he's highlighting the abuse that he's getting on social media and he didn't like it. And I don't, I don't ascribe to Jamie Carragher's point either. I get where he's coming from, but get off social media if you don't like it. Well, no, social media is supposed to be a welcome space for everybody, for free to use. You know, you don't expect the piece on it. We've all, we've probably all had it to kind of some degree of, you know, someone doesn't like your views or doesn't agree with you, or you know, Gene Van Alden doesn't have a good game. I made the point in the article, like I'm not a massive fan of Divock Origi. Wouldn't dare dream of replying to his tweets or his Instagram going, "You're fucking shit." What 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 do I get out of that interaction? What does anybody get out of hurling abuse at people? Just let him let him be his own player. If you don't like him, move on. No, I, I think it's right. I mean, listen, I've got a, a lovely super chat from Connor S. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's seven ninety nine Australian dollars. Uh, Genie gave us everything. Money doesn't make your head or hamstrings more resilient. Uh, completely agree with that one, Connor. I think what's interesting though, I think Errol is that he mentioned the disconnect between the fans in the ground and the fans online. Um, it's something that existing in both spheres myself that I've noticed for a long time now. Um, is it? Does it worry you that there is a disconnect there? Mm, I don't. I don't know. Worry is the right word. I think it's it's inevitable that there's going to be that disconnect there because you know for for the most part, first of all, people that are in the ground. 
they get a full 360 of the pitch for the whole 90 minutes. So they're seeing the 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 hard work and the hard jobs that Genie puts in that sometimes the cameras don't actually always pick up. So they have a natural appreciation of what he's actually doing because they can see it firsthand for themselves. And I think that will always translate onto the pitch in terms of the work ethic he does, the non-stop running, all of that kind of stuff. I think the social media element of it as well in terms of when you're watching football through the telly, again, you're only seeing a certain lens of it. So you're not seeing that full 360 pan of what's going on at any one given time. I think you'll get some people, and I'm not saying all of them, but again, I'm not going to be the most versed football watcher in the world that they won't always understand the system and the format. They just just see the little moments of brilliance and very few of those moments start or end with Gini Wijnaldum. So for that reason alone, they haven't got this affinity to him to be like, oh, he's our guy, we love him. They just see, you know, when things aren't going well and you just see someone who looks like a headless chicken running around, you're just like, well, you should be doing more there. You should be busting through and, you know, breaking the lines and assisting. They're expecting more, but... Anyone who really knows and is, you know, kind of ingrained in the way that Liverpool play, they know there are certain roles for certain players on the pitch. And Klopp hands those down to the players that he can trust. And he trusts Genie with a specific role. And as far as Klopp's ever concerned, he's never let him down in delivering and not. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me is what would the manager say? If you was to put a mic in front of Klopp now, what would the manager's words be about Gene Wijnaldum? And he'd probably speak high praise him because he knows he's got so much in his locker. It's just that he needed a specific role from an individual that he could trust in our squad. And Genie was the guy to do that. I think fans online kind of forget that sometimes. And, you know, you could speak about online criticism all the time. And I don't think there's a perfect formula for it because people are going to get, whether it's, you know, racism spouted at them or they're just going to get criticised because of the way that they play the game or the team that they play for. People are always going to do that and, you know, people are entitled to those opinions. I think from a footballer's perspective, purely, it's hard to say, but the one thing that Michael tells me is have thicker skin. You're in the public eye. You're going to expect that a certain level of criticism is going to come with the job that you do and turn off your notifications. When you finish a game, see that 95 comments that are brilliant, turn off your notifications and spend time with your family and enjoy the people that appreciate you and love you the most above anything else in life because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one, but most of them are full of shit. So just allow it and let them do what they're going to do. Do you know what I mean? Because you on your own is not going to be able to impact or stop that, but you can actually impact what affects you and being around your people should give you good, positive vibes would be my only, you know, takeaway from that. But aren't we all supposed to be his people? But we're not, though, I get the criticism from rival fans, but we are supposed to be all supporters of Liverpool Football Club, Barrel. But, 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 mate, you'll get... So you'll get so-called Man U fans that will have berated Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho for when they've missed penalties for England or when they don't play a good game against the team that they expect them to beat. All of a sudden, those so-called fans turn from being your fans to being vicious racist knobheads for all intents and purposes, but they'll still wear a Man U shirt and they'll probably still buy a shirt that's got, you know, Rashford on the back of it. And then they will celebrate you when you do score a hat-trick. So fans in turn... We're fickle. Fans are fickle people, petty and fickle people, and we're not very mature. Some of them, you know, that are on these social medias that are hell and this abuse, 
are probably under an age where they don't realize the impact of the words that they're saying and, and the weight that these words can hold sometimes. And that's not to excuse them or to give them an excuse for saying half of the shit that they say. But in the reality, a 13-year-old who plays with Genie Wijnaldum on FIFA and can do all of the skill moves for every single player and thinks Genie should be the next Messi is probably going to lose his lid when we're getting beat or drawing against Newcastle when we should be beating them and Genie's not setting up or missing a sitter. So those things to me, when you're the adult in the room, you shouldn't really pay any mind to those to those mm. thoughts. You can't, not every comment's got to age with it. But in my mind, it'd just be, why am I paying any, any mind to you? You're not paying my wages. You're not paying my mortgage. And you're not sleeping in my bed at the end of the night. So you're not the person I've got to wake up with in the morning. I don't really care. Just, just from experience, I think that I, I, I agree with you, but I think that's a lot easier said than done in the society that we oh, live with because the social media is so, so intense. And the other thing for, for Genie is we were talking about the pressure and the form and the morale stuff before and being on the floor and him giving everything. He didn't have the comfort of the fans in the stadium, which was completely new to, to kind of everyone. So maybe he didn't go, well, the balance is he'd come home from work one day and he, we, we, you know, we hadn't drawn, but like, you know, we got the roar behind him and people cheering him on in, inside the stadium. It was, there was none of that. It was like, it wasn't football to footballers. And then he was going home and he goes, oh, maybe I'll seek a bit of comfort in, in social media just for, just for five minutes. And then he didn't get that. So the scales are completely tipped at going, well, the good, the bad on social media is outdone because of like 50,000 fans have been cheering my name or singing me song or whatever else. You just come from like empty football stadiums, which isn't natural to, to footballers and their careers and what he's known from a kid to going home and getting abused. Like, I understand it's, it's kids and stuff, but I think the problem isn't Gina and Adam going on social media, it's those other people that are hurling abuse, which unfortunately won't change. No, well, it absolutely won't. Who have you got more control changing? Sorry, Ross, who have you got more control changing? One individual in Genie and what he does, or 50,000 strangers that have got all phantom accounts that are logged in five, six different times? But the point isn't what it why if you're in the wrong why should you why should if you're not in the wrong why should you change that's the point of course everyone can delete twitter off the phone errol but no i'm not saying delete to. it i'm not saying delete it i'm just saying more of a how do you how do you manage it if you've if you've started to see a trend in that over two three weeks of bad performances not going your way then detox you, it's in your full control to just detox and say, this isn't doing my mental health any good. I'm feeling drained. I'm on the floor. What what can I do? Take a little bit of ownership. Because the of problem is, Errol, that all the social media companies have built these fucking apps, right? So mm -hmm. that you are addicted to them. I Ask them why them. Facebook and all that need, needs to need to swipe down like a slot machine. Because you get that endorphin rush endorphin. from something new and stuff like that. They were built but, like that for a reason. So the, it's course, easy oh, no. to say. Well, yeah, but mate, it's easy to say, right? Just turn it off. But it's not actually as easy to do. But mate, and you're, when you're not in the wrong, why no, should you? Especially, you shouldn't. But what I'm, all my thing is, if you're a footballer that's on a hundred grand a week, yeah, well, and it shouldn't you, make any difference. So how you feel by by abuse? No, by no, the way. It, it, it's no, not by abuse, but if you've got a hundred grand a week, I can guarantee you it is e so right. If you're a drug addict and, and you're you know a crackhead for all intents and purposes, if you're spending every last little bit of dough that you've got, you're not gonna go and check yourself into a rehab because you're just gonna want to get your fix. If you've got a hundred grand a week, chances are you can afford a decent rehab center to put you in and detox you away from all the substances that have been mashing up your head. It's the same for footballers. You've got 100 grand a week. You can spend time with your family. You can take yourself off and do other things that isn't a revolving around social media for you to get endorphins in the same way that you would off a phone. I just think there's more options for them. 
And again, it's about taking that little bit of ownership yourself. That's just my personal thing because, you know, I'm someone who doesn't actively have loads of social media. So it's not that hard if you really want to go out your way and avoid all that negative backlash. Oh, it's, a, it's a really interesting point. It's, it's, it's interesting to hear a different side of it. Um, George, yeah, Scott Hawks sent us, wow, a $35 super chat. Uh, Jeannie stated many of the problems started with false stories in the papers about demanding fortunes and implying he was greedy. People are out of order online, but it started in the newspapers, not that they mentioned that. Is that something that you've thought about when we're talking about this? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the press and social media these days go hand in hand. I think we look back at what, I mean, I was only having this conversation the other day to go kind of off tangent, but we were talking about obviously it was Amy Winehouse's either birthday or, or anniversary or both are kind of near. It was 10 years, it was 2011 when Amy Winehouse died, yeah. So it, it was the idea of the press and press hounding and press calls and you know the, these type of incidents, and it's the same now, but it goes hand in hand with social media because these press stories are no longer kind of paparazzi following you around everywhere, it's more. Paparazzi, it's a social paparazzi, if you like. It's them putting a screenshot of your story as a whole newspaper article. We've seen it with, with Rashford and Sterling time and time again of, you know, oh, he's asking for, he's buying his mum a house, but he's sitting on the bench. What's that? It's the exact same with Jeannie Wijnaldum. You know, if it was anybody else in a job yet, people w- were privileged to play football, to be paid for the game that you, that you love and that new job. But it's the same for anyone who loves the job that they do. Is it wrong for them to ask for more money for the work that they're putting in or to seek more money for the work they're putting in? You're telling me you're sat at home and that someone says you can do the exact same job you're doing but get paid three times more. Why not? Especially when football is so limited in in the time that you can play it and perform and be paid that money. He's won everything at Liverpool. He's done everything he set out to do and he's he's been a brilliant servant for the club. So I don't see why why we would say, oh, like he's asking for more money. But there was people who do that. Jamie Carragher's come out and said it on Twitter and that was not the best of moves either to say... He should have just stepped off social media. This is about money. Let's not turn it into a hate thing. You know, at, at the end of the day, it is it is about money. But what Junior is saying is completely valid and is also a large part of the reason why he may be feeling what he's feeling. But I completely agree with Ross as well. Of I don't think it was teed up all too well in the in the tweet that he put out of like it'll all be revealed soon or it'll be told soon because then it it started to feel kind of you know a bit like an okay magazine special which is not what we're all about so i think you know it could have been handled a lot differently but who are we to say when somebody's in that position of kind of hurt you know how they react is how they react and, and that's that's, oh, that's them. It. I mean, the big the big thing for me, and I, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier on, is that it was the disconnect between fans online and fans in the stadium. And it, with I'm not having a go at people who don't go to the grounds because I'm not. Just let me say that first and foremost. But I was taught how to act as a fan by my dad in a stadium, and that is something that I don't think a lot of people have nowadays because of where we support our teams and from. Like, I do it with the Minnesota Vikings, right? I'm a massive fan of the Vikings over in the NFL, and I'm probably not as good a fan as somebody who's in the stadium in that I don't understand the Vikings the same way as somebody maybe from the city who goes to the games. And that doesn't mean that I'm any less of a fan than they are, by the way. 
but I just don't have that understanding of it. And Liverpool has always been known as a supportive fan base. And yet I think, and I'm drawing my own conclusions here, you see fans of every football club online whinging and you almost take your lead from them fans because you see them all the time. Because there wasn't my dad to go, shut up, Chris. That's stupid. No, you don't sing that now. You sing it then. You've got to show support for them. Clap that. Did you see that? He worked hard, son. Mm. It's that type of thing where we're losing around the world. That's the type of the thing that you can only get from going to the game with your dad and him taking you there every few weeks or whenever you can afford it or every week or whatever it is and teaching you how to be a fan of that football club, a supporter of that football club. Now, people just fucking fling shit around social media because people fling shit around social media. Yeah, I was the next question. I mean, there was an article that I did probably about six months ago of you know the, the growth of social media and the growth of that's humans, I suppose. You know, no one's really been taught how to you like what you're saying then no one's really been taught how to act or you know is there a specific way to act on social media because as i said before you see comments of like you know liverpool announcing tickets on, on friendlies this morning it's like buy someone do something like to me again what are you getting out of that what, what part of your day has got better by tweeting the club who are probably going to ignore you that you, you kind of just you know a lot of people do stuff for, for likes and for credit and whatever else probably those same endorphins that you're kind of talking about there of going oh for 10 people like me tweet that that's made me day but you've been a dick like you, you know and half these things that you see you know i'm sure these people that are giving genie abuse bumped them into the street be like fucking hell thanks so much for your free service at the club blah 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 mm. but it's all right to do it behind the screen and, and I, like a knob Natural uh, yeah, says not enough parents say to kids if you have nothing to say don't say <laughs> anything exactly. i think it's I, nothing nice to say but you're right go on yeah. Meryl. If I, did, I thought it was just an unwritten rule on social media. If you weren't going to say to someone's face, don't say it online. Like, if you don't yeah, have the that, balls to say to someone's it. face, don't say it online. It's as simple as that. Like, it's Rashford... Exactly, go on, Georgia, sorry. It's exactly that. I think I, it, to, to kind of tie what you two were saying there is it doesn't necessarily need someone to take you the game and say, this is what's good, this is what... Because then you're going into the nuances of football and what it is to be a fan. But... It's because football is now a global sport and because we've all been locked up and had to watch it through a screen, people now think the things that they can shout at a TV are things that they can now shout at the, the internet and tag the people that they're shouting at just in case that mm. they can see it too. You wouldn't say that in the street to them. You wouldn't shout that at a game to them in case that, you know, there's someone next to you who thinks he's actually a really good player or, heaven forbid, the family's near them. That people now think that what they do in the comfort of their own home, they can now do the same in their own home, but put it out to everyone else and suffer no consequences from it. And and that's where I stand with Jeannie because it's not up to him. Yeah, I get what Errol's saying. You you at some point have to minimise that risk to yourself because you're the main you're the main person. But who's to say he hasn't already done that? Who's to say that his his management now have that control of his accounts? Fact is, it's up to these companies to to put a stop to what's going on. We've said that before, if so many things can be flagged now before they've even been manually flagged, they're automatically. What's to say the same for, for hate and especially for the for racism that, that Errol was talking mm. about before, the likes of Rashford? The, the club are literally did run a campaign to stop online hate and have been doing for months. Jordan Enting obviously gave his, his stuff away for the, for the same reasons and all these campaigns are going on. And then, like, Gene comes out and, and backs that up and says, I've got loads of online abuse, to which he just got abuse for. It's just a vicious a vicious circle, as you put it out before. But again, the one that I did months ago, social media companies should do more, but they won't because it costs them money. 
No. You know, someone could set up Twitter 2.0. I've said this before. I've gone, well, you can't do this, you can't do this. Any, any racist comments, whatever else, will be flagged up. We'll sound, we'll just go and use Twitter where we can go and do it. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking stupid. It's a mad one. That was a really, really interesting debate. Thank you so much, Errol. Thank you so much, Georgia. And of course, thank you to Ross. Uh, before we go, though, I will leave you with our Redmen TV Club Legend competition uh, where you can win some fantastic Jordan Henderson prizes. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next time. But check the competition out. Try. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.